So uh, thank you, Ted and Cherry. I love hearing all of the, the little kids in this room. Isn't that a gift that we have kids present with us? Uh, I don't think Jesus is bothered by it at all. We might be distracted, and parents, you might feel distracted, but Jesus is not bothered by it. Uh, as Mason said earlier, we're so glad that you're here tonight. I'm so grateful that you'd come and worship Jesus tonight. I just have a really quick three places that I want to go. Um, as we look back at the story of Jesus' arrival, specifically, I want us to look at those who heralded his birth, the angels. We just sang the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And uh, as we, maybe you sang something familiar to you that they were uh, heralding this birth, I want to go back and visit the specific places where an angel came to Mary, an angel came to Joseph, and then the angels came to the shepherds. And, and specifically, what did they say about this coming king? What were the message, what, what is the message that they brought? These messengers that were terrifying, bringing the news that Christ had come, just as he had promised to deliver God's people. What is it that they heralded about him? Let's go back to, to Luke chapter 1 and look at the first angel that came to Mary. It's going to be on the screen. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Guess Mary did know, okay? Mary, did you know? She knew some things, at least these things, okay? Maybe not all of it was clear, but first, she knew that Jesus was going to be great. That He would be the Son of the Most High. That the Most High in Heaven would come and be low, right there with her. That He would be, uh, that he would be a great man. Now, many mothers, as you gave birth to your child, you probably anticipated that, that this child was headed for great things, but not many of you have had it confirmed by an angel. Not only was he going to be great, but he was going to reign forever. He was going to sit on the throne of David. Now this would have been a very complex thing for her to receive because David had already received this promise and it very much did not look like David was sitting on the throne. She receives this promise that he would be on the throne of David. He would be the one who reigns forever. That he would be holy. That means set apart. She knows that she's a virgin. How is it going to be that she's going to have a baby? This child's going to be different. And last, that he's going to be called the Son of the Most High. Not only is Jesus God, a member of the Trinity, he's God's own Son, come to earth to rescue us. First angelic visit comes to Mary and outlines these five things about him. Next, let's look at what he says to Joseph, what the angel says. Now, the story of Joseph being visited is in Matthew chapter 1. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. 
And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. few things. Number one, they're betrothed, which would have happened for at least a year. He finds out that Mary's expecting. Maybe visually she's expecting. Maybe word has gotten around to him. He's just. He's unwilling to put her to shame. And so he resolves to settle this thing quietly. He's going to walk away. And while he's thinking it through, something happens in the next verse. Look at the next verse. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Few things again that we learn here. He's going to be conceived by the Holy or this this child is conceived by the Holy Spirit. He's going to come of a virgin. Mary's okay. You don't have to worry about her character. She's all right, Joseph. No one's going to eventually frown on you for sticking with her. And he's going to be named Jesus. And this name has meaning. It means that he's going to save his people. And ultimately, the angel reveals to him that Jesus' purpose on earth is that he's going to save his people from their sins. Now, this is incredible news, not just to Joseph, but for everyone in this room. Joseph must have felt already a great deal of relief to know that his future wife is not pregnant by some other man or from some hidden sin, but because of this spiritual gift that had come from God. And not only that, they both get the name from the angel that they're going to name him Jesus. And then the last thing, that he's going to to save the people from their sins. I've already outlined this before, but this is only good news if you know two things. Number one, that you're a sinner. Number two, that your sin is serious. The reality that Jesus is coming to save us from our sin becomes the best kind of news if we take those two things seriously. It's the best news of all. That He's going to save all of His people that He's purchased from their sins. This becomes a thread throughout Jesus' life that he had come for this purpose. In fact, all the way in Acts, when Paul is preaching Jesus to people who would come to believe, he's pleading them to turn to Christ. And he says, this is how you're going to know who he is. This is what he's going to be known for. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. This is really good news. Really good news. So the angel has heralded to Mary. He's going to be great. He's going to be the son of the Most High. He's heralded to Joseph that he's going to come to save his people from their sins. And now we get to read the story of his coming. In Luke chapter 2, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went out to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Meanwhile, same region, same area, shepherds keeping their watch by by night. And an angel comes to them and says this in chapter 2, verse 10. The angel says to the shepherds, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So this final vignette or vantage of the angels coming and heralding his birth, they say these things. Number one, he's a savior. He's coming once again to save us. The deliverer that I talked about earlier that Simeon had been waiting for, that Anna had witnessed and seen, and all of these moments that had been waiting for, he's coming as a consolation saying he's coming to save his people. And he's the Christ, the promised Messiah, who's going to deliver his people not only from sin, from the burden of sin in this world. He's going to give them a new way to live. And there, they quickly traveled to Bethlehem. They see this thing that they had heard the angels speak of. They saw Christ the Lord wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Uh, In closing, there's a lot of gifts that are going to be opened in the next 48 hours. At least I hope so for a lot of you. For every kid in the room, I hope there's a lot of gifts. There's a lot of time and thought and energy that's been put into buying you the right gift. But the greatest gift came in this little town of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Some of the gifts that you might receive are loud and obnoxious. There's probably gifts that your grandparents are going to give the kids that you're going to wish you could take back the next day. Some are going to be quiet. Some will be written. But the best gift came quietly. And it only comes to human hearts who are meek before Him. In the hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem, the last verse says this, How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. No ear may hear His coming. But in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. If we would be meek in this moment, maybe we wouldn't miss the biggest gift that's ever been given, the greatest gift. Maybe there's people here in this room who've never experienced some thrill of hope when you talk about Jesus. It just feels like a weird gift you're not even sure that you need. I want you to know that when Christ was heralded 2,000 years ago, he was heralded as the one who would save us from our sins. That means that there's something very important that he came to accomplish. Ultimately, our redemption. The story of his birth is also the story of his death and resurrection, that he would come to make all things new, starting in the hearts of every person who would believe. Now, if you, in this moment, would like to receive him, you're thinking, I don't know how to receive this gift. How do I receive this gift that came so long ago? Are we receiving the memory of him? Are we receiving the belief in him? It's really simple. We just repent and believe. Repent means that we finally see Christ as the greatest treasure above all other gifts. We see him as the thing that's most valuable. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus tells this parable of a treasure that's been hidden in a field and a man finds it and then he goes and sells everything else that he owns in order to get that field and take it for himself. He says the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's very costly, but it's very precious. It's more valuable than anything else that we would give up in order to obtain it. 
And everyone who belongs to Christ knows this, that he has become the greatest treasure that you've ever received. If you belong to him, that's the sign of belonging. It means that everything else in comparison, everything else that you've ever received is less valuable than him. So if you do not belong to Christ, know that this is the invitation to come and live and to receive from him. If you'd like to follow Jesus, there's an opportunity before you move on with your gatherings and whatever you're having for dinner, before you move on to presence, don't leave here without receiving the greatest gift. Come and talk to me after this is over. And I want to pray for you even now that we, maybe those who need to be reminded, and those who've never seen, that together we would receive the greatest gift, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me to that end? Lord, as we hold up this plumb line of your coming, this truth that this is who you are, you're the mighty one, the great one who's come low to be near us, Emmanuel, God with us, Christ and Savior, the one who's come to save your people from their sins. Father, I pray that we would look back on that and remember and rejoice. For those that already belong to you, that we would see that this is the most valuable thing that you've brought to us yourself. So Lord, we receive it once again and say yes to this gift. And for those who do not know you, I pray that you would prick their hearts tonight. That you'd show them their needs so that they might receive this greatest gift. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, Jesus uh, talked about his second advent when he was here on earth. And he began to speak of it. And he said, when you start to see these things, I want you to be ready. Okay? So we not only look back, we also anticipate that there's going to be a coming. And just like Simeon was sitting on go, he was sitting and waiting. We want to be the kind of people who are looking to the horizon, who are standing tall and saying, Lord, we're awaiting your arrival. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus said, when you see these things, when they begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So tonight, as we close out this time of remembering, we also anticipate. And it's with that anticipation and hope that we're closing out our service tonight. We're going to light some candles. And so as they light and this this room becomes dim, We're setting our hopes on things to come. That Christ not only has come, but He's coming again. He's going to make all things new. That's where we're placing our hope in Him tonight. So let's stand up together and and sing these songs. If anybody wants to talk about this gift and you don't know how to receive it, I'd love to talk to you more. Uh, And as we light these candles... Let's pray that our hearts would be fixed on this great light, Jesus Christ.